we're live. How you doing, everybody? And welcome to the John Riley Project. This is episode number 168 of the podcast. You know, it's a podcast all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Thanks for joining me. And boy, we got a great show in store for you. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the Poway protesters, and there's been lots of drama. There's been violence in the streets of Poway, and I and I want to really give you a big update on what's going on with the Poway protesters. And then we're going to talk about Trump's taxes, which was breaking news over the weekend. And and that's kind of our agenda for the day. But um, looking forward, I've been it's interesting is, you know, I do this podcast and I've been doing it every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 2 p.m. And it seems to be working well as I'm on this schedule. And sometimes, you know, those podcasts come up pretty fast. And you're like, oh, what am I going to talk about on Monday? What am I going to talk about on Wednesday? And when when Friday, you know, came and went, I was wondering what I was going to be talking about today. But over the weekend, oh my God, there's been so much going on that you just can't help but comment on the things that we're observing in the news nationally, locally. It's been just nuts. So uh, really happy to get a chance to share this with you. Uh, but yeah, this is episode number 168, man. And it's, I don't know, I, I love talking about my episode numbers because it just, it's a, that's a lot of episodes. We've done a lot here. We had some great conversations with some great guests. I've uh, done a lot of these solo podcasts, which I really enjoy doing. Uh, yeah, most podcasters, they're lucky if they do seven episodes, maybe 10. 168, man, we're going strong. So hoping we can maybe someday break a thousand. Wouldn't that be cool? And if I do this consistently three days a week, I mean, that's going to be 150 episodes a year. So we'll see where we land. But, um, Today is actually going to be a great day because uh, we're going to do today's podcast, like I said, about the Poway protesters and Trump's taxes. But I'm going to do another bonus episode tonight at eight. And I'm going to have as my guest, David Leland, and we're going to talk about the San Diego Padres and their great regular season and getting ready for the playoffs. So if you want to check out that episode, that's tonight at eight. Uh, we'll be live streaming on the same platforms that we're, we're on right now. Um, but um, yeah, just... Over the weekend, I've been, um, yeah, I've been telling you, I've been working on my projects of addition by subtraction. I've been really going through a lot of my old crap and purging and deleting and getting rid of stuff. And yesterday, I decided um, that I needed to take a trip to a a record store that sells used vinyl albums because I was unloading like all my record albums and my CDs and DVDs because we never use them anymore. And I figured I'd just give them to some someone that can monetize it and make other people happy. So I left my house in Poway around a little bit before 12 noon on Sunday. And I'm going southbound on Pomerado and I'm approaching Twin Peaks. And boy, what do I see? Of course, I see all the protesters out, right? And man, they are fired up. Up, man, I'm telling you, there's so much excitement out there. And, you know, by this time, usually like what happens is, is it usually starts at 11 and the anti-Trump protesters are pretty disciplined about being there for an hour, like from 11 to 12 on Sundays. You know, they're they're almost like, um, you know, Wiley Coyote and the Sheepdog and those old uh, mo- uh, those old cartoons where they punch in and punch out. So. 
the anti-Trump uh, protesters, when I was driving by at 12 noon, I was looking for him. I didn't see him. Usually I'll see my my buddy Phil Factor out there on the corner with his, you know, vote for Phil Factor sign for Poway City Council. I didn't see him, but the Trump supporters are just overwhelming the place. And, you know, every every weekend, it just seems to be more and more of them. And you're seeing, you know, everyone's got these flags going and, and now it's not just Trump stuff. I mean, you're seeing things like fill that seat, you know, for the Supreme Court uh, position. And then there's other people showing up that are just doing like pro-life messages. And, you know, these, these, um, you know, signs and placards showing a fetus in a womb, you know, as you're driving down Pomerado Road. So, you know, the the Republicans, the right wingers are just like overwhelming the intersection. Um, and, you know, on one level, I, like I said, I love the free expression and I love that they're out there. I mean, free speech is one of the most important um, American rights that exist. And I love that they're out there. Uh, doesn't mean I support what they're doing, uh, the sports, their message, but I love that they're out there. But, you know, again, when I was driving by at 12 noon, the Trump people had taken over three of the corners and it looked like they were encroaching on the fourth corner where the anti-Trump people are. Because by that time, the anti-Trump people were largely punching out for the day. And um, so, you know, I kind of cruise through there and you kind of have to slow down now because the flags are like out in front, like hanging over the edge of the street. And and I'm good with that. It's cool. And, uh, you know, we're getting near the election. So it's kind of expected. And so I ended up going, I had to go down to La Mesa. I was trying to find a, a used record store that would take donations of my old vinyl albums. And um, I've got a few of my vinyl albums up here on my office. They're like, uh, they're framed in here, but there's a lot of old ones that I just will never use. And I just want to unload them. So I went down to La Mesa and I dropped them off at um, this uh, record store in like the little village area of La Mesa. It was kind of a neat little part of town. And then I came back. Okay, so I'm coming up with the 15, Ted Williams Parkway, get to Pomerado Road and starting to head up. And then right there at the intersection to pull into the Target Shopping Center, um, kind of like where the, the mattress store is. I mean, there are Trump supporters there. I mean, they're they're spreading, you know, like a like a I don't want to say a disease, but they're spreading, you know, kind of like um they're multiplying, you know, and, and scattering across the city. Um, so and then we're seeing people driving by with like flags out their window and they're holding up and it's like a party out there. But as I got a little bit further, all I could see were cop cars. And I was like, uh oh, something's going on. And there I you know, you see the flashing red lights and there must have been like six, you know, of those SUVs that the police um, have. And I was like, well, something must be happening. And um, so I figured I'm going to pull over. I want to see what's going on. I go, maybe I'll see Phil Factor. I can ask him about it. And so I pull over. And oh, by the way, I meant to say that when I was driving um, through there at 12 noon, um, you know, there's like a little Montessori preschool there. And up on that street, there were police officers there at 12 noon and they weren't really engaged. They were just sort of paying attention, which makes sense, you know, because, you know, it's been escalating. The, the enthusiasm has been escalating. But when I came back, yeah, the police were, were there in force. And I ended up driving over there and parking kind of by the old pancake factory and walked out. And by this time, all of the anti-Trump people were gone. And it was at one o'clock. And the police were talking to people there at the street corner there in front of the, the Jersey Mike's. 
and I was tempted to talk and ask a cop what was going on, but I didn't figure that was appropriate. And then over on the side, I saw this group of these um, teenage girls and um, they were, uh, you know, they were probably high school age, maybe freshmen in college. And they were very young and they were wearing BLM shirts and everything. And they were just in a little circle talking. And I just said, Hey, excuse me. Can you tell me what happened? And they said, Oh yeah. Uh, some Trump supporters came over and there was a fight and someone got in a headlock. And, and I was like, wow. And, and, and but I knew I was only getting part of the story. Right. So I figured, okay, well, it looks like I missed the action. Um, Hopefully no one's hurt. I got back in my car and I came home and I remember I posted a little something on my John Riley Project Facebook page about it. And there's been a little bit of discussion, but going into the late afternoon and evening last night and even this morning, there's been a lot of conversation on social media about what happened. And there was a lot more that happened than I actually witnessed. So... It seemed that the least, least the way that I can understand it is that apparently there were some anti-Trump people that were, excuse me, some Trump people that were on the anti-Trump side. And I guess, the, again, correct me if I'm wrong here, like, because I may be speaking out of turn because I wasn't there. I'm just trying to tell you how I understood it. And that, by the way, this is a live stream. So if you have any comments, questions, you want to chime in, you have an opinion on this, type your comments in on the Facebook live stream or on the YouTube live stream, and I'll read them on the air and we'll have a conversation. But as I've been able to sort of put all the puzzle pieces together, it sounds like there were some Trump people on the anti-Trump side and they they were kind of having an argument, I guess, or I don't know, conversation. I don't know what the heck it was with the Black Lives Matter people. And I don't know if it was these young girls or if there were some adults or I don't know what it was. But apparently then it escalated and there was a little bit of shoving. And some of those young girls got pushed out into the traffic, into the street. Well, apparently from that, um, I saw a video of some of the Black Lives Matter or maybe Antifa, I don't know, people running across the street, you know, not in the in the crosswalk, but like through the essentially jaywalking over the median and then over to the Trump side of the street on the north. What would that be? And the streets at an angle. I guess it's the southwest corner. Um, they went over there and then the Trump people kind of came and met them in the middle of the street. And it, there was, you know, chaos and people, you know, uh, you know, getting ready to fight. Um, and so I didn't I, I didn't see in that video any punches thrown or anything like that. But one of the guys that had the video that was taking the video on the Trump side was like, oh, there's BLM. There's Antifa here. They're coming. It's on. It's on. It was almost like these the, both of these street corners have gotten to the point where they are so inflamed with political rhetoric that it's almost like you could feel this sort of thing percolating and bubbling and brewing because every weekend you drive through that intersection, it just gets to be bigger and bigger. And really more and more Trump people, the anti-Trump people are not really growing much. I guess maybe now there's some BLM people there, Um, but it's, it's just amazing. And so um, the, the, uh, there, there was like a confrontation in the middle of the street. And apparently there are all these moms there in yellow shirts. And apparently they're the moms of the 
young girls that are there protesting on behalf of BLM. And so these these people in black shirts came out, um, some with black masks on. They were hiding their identity and they approached the Trump people and the Trump people got their, you know, their Gazden flag and their Trump flag and their American flag and this stick and they're swinging it around. And um, um, Alexandra Alberts Howard posts um, on the live stream. Where is the video posted? Um, I will put it in the show notes. Um, in fact, what I'll do is I do have the link to the video. Um, let me here. Hang with me. I, I'll post the link to the video in the stream here. So bear with me. Um, you know, I should have had that handy, wouldn't I? So. It is here. Hang with me here. I'm going to give you some of the video so you can see it yourself. Um, da, 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 da. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. I don't. Oh, I have a different video here link that I'm going to talk about. But that, that happened a few months ago. I will post the video in the show notes. How's that? Because uh, there was this video that someone had recorded on the Trump side and it it was so anyways, the, the moms were there in the yellow shirts and they came out to the median because they're trying to protect their daughters. But it didn't seem like there were that many of the girls that were in the street. It seemed like these were either young men or adults, both men and women that had run across the street. And so there was another video that I saw, you know, from a different angle of the, the BLM people crossing the street. But apparently, you know, there were Trump people on the other side of the corner. So it. It's it's insane what's happening. This is an embarrassment, people. This is an embarrassment for the city of Poway. I mean, it's just awful what we're seeing out there. Now, it's almost like we've been seeing this sort of thing play out on the news in all these other cities around the country. Um, but now it's playing out right here in Poway, California. And it's just, you know, I just shake my head. I'm thinking... Like, again, I love the free speech. I love that you're out there, you know, celebrating your team and your message. But, you know, there's a line that exists and you can't cross that line, you know, but because the other people on the other side of the street have rights, too. But of course, you know, one person makes a stupid move and then it provokes the other side. And the next thing you know, there's melee. But it seems like so I say I I think there there is almost a case of um, Now, I'm not saying all the people that are out there, but some of the people you can kind of tell are itching for a fight. Now, it may be just a debate. You know, they might want to get out there and talk about why their side is better and the other side stinks. But sometimes I wonder, you know, if, if someone is either looking for a fight or just waiting for someone else to trigger it, waiting for someone else to make the stupid move so that they can go in. And I think we're seeing some of that play out. Um, but again, there's just so many people there. Uh, now, by the time I got there on my way back, there were less people because the cops were there and, you know, that kind of scatters some people. But when I drove through at 12 noon, it was amazing how many people were on the street. And so it makes me wonder, like, are all these people from Poway? Now, some people on the anti-Trump side commented in Facebook that they recognized people on the Trump side as being, you know, parents of some of their children's friends. So I got obviously some of them are from Poway, maybe many of them, all of them. I don't know. It just seems odd that that street corner is just turned into like 
a big deal. It used to be a pretty, you know, blase intersection. One of the the slowest intersections in town on a busy day. Uh, But now it's just turned into a circus out there. But it's just an embarrassment, uh, in my opinion, that it has to go to this point where there's violence, where there's people attacking other people. It's like, come on, people. Come on. You know, I get it that you love your guy. I get it that you're a fan of red or blue or, you know, whatever it is. But you can't get in people's faces. You can't be shoving people. You can't have people in headlocks. Now, again, I don't know exactly who started it, you know, and I, you know how it is like in the NFL when there's a fight. It's usually the person that that punched second is the one that usually gets blamed. So maybe that happened. I don't know. But there's just so much information and misinformation on Facebook. And I've only seen a few of the videos um, and I will share them in the in the show notes. But it's it's just like, why does it have to come to this? Come on, people. I mean, be civilized. You know, Poway is, you know, you know, granted, Poway definitely leans right, is definitely a Republican uh, majority town or plurality. But um you know, this is this is supposed to be one of the safest cities in, 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 in America, in California, certainly in San Diego County, one of the safest cities. So keep it safe, people. Keep it safe. We don't need to be doing this. So, you know, again, I look around and see all the people there and there's like way more Trump people than anti-Trump people. But then that kind of makes sense because I remember I talked about this, you know, roughly speaking, Poway is about 50 percent Republican. 25% Democrat and 25% independent. Now, you know, it's, it's slightly off in some areas. This is based on a study that I did of the 2014 voter rolls, which are probably on a proportional basis pretty similar now. So the point is, is that Poway is overwhelmingly um, Republican. And the fact that there are overwhelmingly more Trump people on the street corners kind of makes sense. But still, I wonder if they're really here from from. Um, if they're really here from Poway. Well, anyways, it's just interesting how it's been building. And, you know, I did a podcast not too long ago about the Poway protesters. And I thought it was not too long ago. And I went back and looked it up and it was in October of 2019. It was 11 months ago I did that. And boy, a lot's changed since then. So when I did that, that was back where and I'll kind of tee it up and I'll just share the history. So back when George W. Bush was president, those protesters, the anti-Bush, um, anti-Iraq war protesters showed up at that street corner where Jersey Mike's is. And they would hold up their signs, you know, down with Bush and and they did their thing and they were there for quite a while. And it was again, it was only on Sundays as far as I remember. And then when Trump got out of office, Barack Obama was in, they all disappeared. (laughs) Never mind the fact that Obama escalated all the wars. I mean, he um, expanded the Afghan war. He dramatically expanded the drone war. And yeah, he he scaled back the Iraq war, but way slower than he promised. He promised to get out of Iraq by May of 2010. He didn't get out. And I'll put that in quotes until December of 2011. But by his second term, he was sending more troops in to Iraq. And then we didn't see those protesters. They weren't anywhere because their guy is in the uh, is in the White House. And then once Trump was elected, at some point in the Trump presidency, they started showing up again. 
again, not necessarily for a Democratic candidate or person. They were just anti-Trump, just like they were anti-Bush. And apparently, according to the person that was in charge of the anti-Trump group, it's not exactly the same group as the anti-Bush group. My my bet is, is there's probably some similar people, but definitely similar uh, minds. But they used to be out there every every Sunday on that street corner. And then eventually Russell showed up and Russell is the guy we see in Poway and he's all over town. He's always got a Trump sign. I've seen him on Poway Road. I see him on Community Road. He's always out there on Sundays. Um, and he had gotten a small group together on the opposite street corner. And back in when I did my interview of both sides in October of 2019, both sides were roughly equal in size. You know, they only took up two of the four street corners. Um, And I interviewed the leader on both sides. I interviewed and I, gosh, I can't remember the lady's name on the anti-Trump side. And then I interviewed Russell on the Trump side. And both both interviews went really well. Um, Both sides were very well behaved. Both sides had, um, you know, mostly positive messages. There were a few anti messages on the black on the placards. But overall, they were good spirited. Um, They didn't intend any harm. Um, People were respectful of, you know, their opponents on the other side of the street. And in fact, you know, Russell was is, is friends with Phil Factor. They've known each other a long time. And yet they were protesting on opposite sides of the street. So Back then in October of 2019, people were pretty cool. But the crazy thing that I recognized is that when I was there, the people driving by, and this is in October of 2019, the people driving by were the ones that were misbehaving. People dropping F-bombs and flipping the bird and yelling all kinds of obscenities at both sides. And then, of course, lots of uh, horn honking on both sides. So it was funny how, you know, the protesters were good behavior but the people driving by weren't. Well, now, since it's escalated, since there's more people on the street, since the Trump people have now taken over three of the four street corners, and I think by the time the anti-Trump people punch out at 12 noon, I think the Trump people start taking over that street corner where Jersey Mike's is. I mean, it's just gotten bigger and bigger, and this this street corner thing is just, you know, intersection of Twin Peaks and Pomerado. It's just turned into this, again, it's, it's like a party. But it's interesting, too, that it's just so tribal, right? It's like you're on the red team or the blue team and either team can do no wrong. Um, And it's this tribalism that to me is so destructive in our political landscape. And we're seeing that play out on the street corner. And for the longest time, the tribalism was very positive, but now it's become more negative because, you know, now other groups are joining in and different people have different agendas and, um, you know, and we're approaching this election. It's coming up like what, in about six weeks. And so it's just gotten nuts. Um, now, it's it's funny how um, there's another there's another video and I, I've, I'll post this link as well. It's from a YouTuber and his YouTube handle is Poway for Justice. And he is an anti-Trumper guy and he has video and a, he did like a 15 minute video while he's talking in his car, but someone had edited it and shown other video overlaid where there was actually a fight. And this was in July of 2020 on that grassy area on the backside of Jersey Mike's. And that was amazing too. And there, I remember seeing in that video, I saw Russell, who's the main guy for the Trump side. He was on the anti-Trump corner. So again, you see, 
again, if people would just stay in their lane, right? If they would just stay in each, either street corner, then everyone will be mostly well-behaved and the traffic will keep them separated. But once people start crisscrossing, when emotions are hot and people feel so passionately, it's it's not going to end well, people. And that's what happened. And so I saw, you know, Russell was over there and he was kind of getting in a little bit of a scrum. He's kind of in the middle of it. And then, um, you know, this one, the guy that did the video, he had a 14 year old son and the 14 year old son was just getting, you know, um, you know, having a lot of crap thrown his way. And the son reacted and took a swing. And then that was all it took. And then suddenly all these Trump people came rushing in and tackled the kid, tackled the dad. You know, they had the kid in a, in a chokehold and everyone's like, this is a 14 year old kid. What are you doing? And, um, and then eventually the police came and arrested the kid and it was just, Come on, this is Poway, man. What are you doing? We don't need to go and be like this. Come on, people. I mean, it's like, can't we just be like adults? That's what I try to do in this podcast. I try to keep it a civil, rationalized conversation, love engaging with other people that have differing views. We talk it out. We may not agree, but we listen and we get empathy. We understand. But what's going on on those street corners? It's They've gone... These people have gone too far. Now, obviously, there's a lot of good people out there, but there's also a lot of people that are that are aggro, that are wacko, that are out there. Um, Gabby Dow chiming in on the live stream. And Gabby, of course, been a guest on the podcast twice. And her husband, Steve, was recently on the podcast. Gabby says... So glad you are discussing this, John. The addition of students and kids is so important here. There are adults accosting minors. Children, this is completely out of control on our sidewalks, and adults have to set the example and remember that children are completely off limits. And that's right, because that's what I was saying. Like the the, the video from Poway for Justice, that's his YouTube handle, and I'll include that link in the show notes. His 14-year-old son was like, in a fight with these adult people on the Trump side. And, you know, for the most part, the, the people on the Trump side are tough guys, man. They're big and strong. And this is like 14 year old kid and they were getting tackled and chokeholds. And again, I don't know exactly what happened yesterday. I've heard stories that young girls were pushed into traffic. And then I saw the, the, you know, the people in black shirts, which I assume is Antifa or Black Lives Matter going to the other side, but they didn't seem like they were the young girls, but they were definitely some young boys. It's like, wow, man. Stay in your lane, people. And yeah, Gabby, you're right. I mean, there's kids involved in this. Now, on one hand, you know, you think it's interesting. Like, why are parents bringing their kids out there? On one hand, well, maybe it's cool because it's, you know, they're they're engaging in, um, you know, a social protest and they're they're doing what they believe is right. But in some cases, there's a little bit of danger there, too. And it, 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 this is this is Poway. This is supposed to be a, a family community. This is a place where there shouldn't be any of this violence. People come on. So, um Bruce McCoy said, little league parents are on the streets now. <laughs> well, I mean, there are parents there and their children. And I don't when I say children, I don't mean eight year olds, but, you know, like 14, 15, 16, 17 year old kids are out there too, high school age kids. Um, and, you know, there have been other protests in Poway. There's been a number of Black Lives protests, Black Lives Matter protests, excuse me, um, that have been in Poway and a lot, mostly organized by young people. 
and they've been, I think, mostly down on Poway Road and like community and around that area. And yeah, for the most part, those are all very well behaved. And, you know, these kids are out there kind of getting their message out, whether you agree with them or disagree with them. They're expressing their views. And it's been mostly, as far as I know, entirely nonviolent. Um, but the line was crossed at, pa- at Pomerado and Twin Peaks yesterday. And it's just awful. So, you know, you think of this young kid, he was 14 years old. He was terrorized. And you're thinking, man, how is this going to affect his life as he grows up? I mean, it's a big deal when you're out there on a street corner and you get in a fight with these adults and it's about Trump and not Trump and yada, yada. Uh, so anyways, that video was actually from July of 2020. There are there's a there's a number of video segments that are from yesterday, but they're kind of like the Blair Witch, you know, movie where the video is kind of shaky and people are chiming in. And but um, I'll include those links in the show notes, too. But here's what I really want to get to is that when you see people out there with an American flag, you think about what does America represent? Right. And I tell you, this podcast is all about life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. It says so in our Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal. And when they say men, they mean all humans are created equal. And we all have, um, uh, you know, endowed uh, by God or in, by nature or however you want to, depending on what your religious perspective is, we have inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That means we own ourselves, we have the rights to choose, and we have the rights to pursue our own life according to our own values. That also means that we shouldn't be assaulting people, that assaulting someone else is a violation of their rights. Yet we have people here waving American flags. And that, and yeah, most of the American flags are on the Trump side, but there's even some American flags on the anti-Trump side. But if we're a nation that's supposed to stand for these inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, yet there are people committing violence, which runs counter to that. Um, I see D Mac chiming in on the live stream and he says, it's like that all over the place. We're so divided as a people. This is the first time I've ever seen it like this. And yeah, it's just getting more and more heated, more and more outrageous. And, and just as an aside, Okay, let's be real. Whether you're for Trump or you're for Biden or whatever, California is going to give all of its electoral college votes to Biden. You know, I'm not voting for Biden. I'm not voting for Trump. But Biden is going to be getting all all those election results in California, at least. So I love how they're out there protesting. But really, it's not going to affect the outcome of the election. I mean, let's be real. Um, but here's a great quote, and I'm, it's a quote from Ron Paul. And, and I talked about Ron Paul on the Friday live stream because Ron Paul had a stroke in the middle of his live stream, which was awful. Apparently, he's okay now. But according to Ron Paul, the most important element of a free society where individual rights are held in the highest esteem is the rejection of the initiation of violence. And that is so right. So if you really understand what the American, um, you know, experiment is all about and what our inalienable rights are all about, um, it's it's about, you know, we have to have a system that takes out people that are violent, you know, that commit murder, assault, rape, fraud, etc., And then otherwise letting people be free to live their lives and to freely express their opinion. But people that are so-called 
representing America and American values are ones that are in some cases jumping to violence. And it's happening right here in Poway. And it's just mind boggling. Um, DMAC also says even in sports talk radio and yeah, you know, sports talk radio is a lot of fun generally with sports, but it's the same kind of tribalism, right? You're, you know, back in the day you were a charger fan or a Raider fan. And for me, I'm a Padre fan and there's Dodger fans, you know, and there's this, this kind of team mentality, this tribe mentality. But now um, on sports radio, you're hearing these sports announcers, they're getting into the political conversation as well. And some people love it and some people hate it. Um, some people think there should be a separation of of uh, sports and politics. And I know in my podcast, I blend the two. I try to do it delicately. But at any rate, um, I think it's important to understand this is that when you talk about inalienable rights or individual rights and you're standing up like, I've got the right to free speech. I've got the right. This is America. You can't take away my rights. Okay. Well, the way you have to think of it is, is that the other guy has rights too. You have rights to live your life according to your own values as long as you don't violate the rights of someone else. So you have the right to free speech, but so does the other guy have the right to free speech. Um, And, you know, this is the part that I object to on both sides is that you'll see both sides demanding certain rights for their team, but often at the expense of people on the other side, you know, where, you know, for example, if people on the left are demanding making health care a right, well, the only way you can make health care a right is to place a duty on someone else to either provide the service or pay for it, which ultimately violates their rights of inalienable rights of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. But then from the other perspective, you see people on the Trump side that demand rights for them, you know, their free speech rights, their free expression rights. But then they want other people, um, you know, uh, immigrants or what have you. They don't want them to have rights. But immigrants, whether they're legal or illegal, also have the inalienable rights of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. That's what's in the Declaration of Independence. Those are the natural rights that were really first articulated by Aristotle, that were rediscovered by Aquinas, that were brought forward in the Age of Enlightenment by you know John Locke and, and a lot of other philosophers. And those are the inalienable rights that sparked the beginning of the United States of America. In my opinion, this is what makes America truly special. It's probably the only nation on earth that's been founded on a philosophy, on a morality. Granted, the implementation of that philosophy, very flawed. There's been problems. Um, Certain people were not given equal rights. Even the SOA says all men are created equal. Yeah, there was slavery and women didn't have rights and people didn't own land have rights. The flawed implementation, but it's getting better. And those those errors are being corrected. But I see in some cases a a little bit of people wanting to turn the clock back. And it's a shame. So um, at any rate, uh, Pete Neal chimes in. Geez, I joined late and right into sports. Ah, well, now. Pete, I've been talking all about the Poway protesters for the first 34 minutes of this podcast. Um, But I'll just say this. um, I love the free expression. I love that people are out there with their flags and their placards. And as long as they're well behaved, it's all good. It's all good. 
Okay. But when some of them, and I'm obviously not all of them, but some of them cross the line, not only is that wrong, not as only a violation of what America and free speech is really supposed to be about, but it's also a poor reflection for the good actors that are on those street corners. Cause there's some people that are out there that are perfectly, you know, innocent and doing the right thing and standing up for what they believe and, and supporting the rights of other people. Um, but it ends up tarnishing it. So now let's see what happens um, a week from now. When the, Are the cops going to be out there again? Probably. I know there was a smoke bomb thrown as well. That's another reason the police got involved and they shut down the street and everything else. So hopefully um, we're going to see, um, I think probably, I'm mean, betting a little bit more, you know, law and order is probably going to be out there at the intersection of Poway Road and, and excuse me, a Pomerado Road and Twin Peaks Road. Okay, so um, I'm going to get into Trump's taxes for the second half of the podcast. But if you like what we're doing here, you know, this is a podcast about life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. You know, I broadcast here from Poway, California. I cover a lot of local topics. We interview a lot of the political candidates. Um, We also cover national issues. If you like what we're doing here, help spread the word. That would be really helpful. You know, if you're watching the live stream now, you know, click on the like button. That's helpful. That boosts us in the algorithm. It it helps us grow our audience. Um, If you feel like sharing this with other people, you can even just verbally share it. Hey, there's this guy, John Riley. He's got this John Riley project thing and talks about Poway and talks about, um, you know, talks about politics and talks about culture and business. And and yes, Pete, we sometimes talk about sports. Um, but yeah, so if you like that, just tell a friend or click on the share button, you know, or subscribe, you know, anything like that would be so helpful as we work to build the audience. And now we're, you know, of course doing live streams and I'm doing that so you can be involved in the discussion. So it's not just me up on a soapbox. I'm going to have you involved. Bruce McCoy chimes in. What do you think sparked the outbreak? Who took the first physical step across the road? I don't know the answer to that, Bruce. Um, I wish I did. I heard stories that there were Trump people on the anti-Trump side that pushed some of the young uh, female BLM protesters into traffic. I have no video or evidence of this. I don't know. I saw on video uh, BLM uh, people and people in black masks, which I assume are Antifa, running across the street towards the Trump supporters. Who's threw the first punch? I don't know. But like in an NFL football game, usually whoever throws the second punch is the one that unfortunately gets blamed. I don't know who started it, but I would hope that even if one side started it, that the other side could take the high road and not engage and not go into the gutter, in this case, literally into the gutter. Um, So, yeah, I don't know who started it, Bruce. I really don't. And if anyone else knows, let us know. Um, chime in on the on the Facebook comments even after this podcast is over. Okay, we're going to get into the Trump taxes. And so again, Friday, I, I wasn't sure what I was going to talk about on Monday. And boy, did everything happen over the weekend. I've got more to talk about than I can think of. And, and again, I, you know, what's funny is I keep telling myself that I want to do more non-political content. I want to talk more. I mean, Pete Neal and I talked about Corvettes. That was cool. And, you know, I talk about sports and I talk about business and entrepreneurship and road trip adventures and and electric vehicles. And I love talking about all that. I love talking about ways to make your life better and make your business better. 
And I want to get to that, but there's just been so much political content right now, I can't ignore it. And, and I guess it's going to be like this as we approach the election. Um, so hang in there with me. And besides, I think it's what everyone's mostly interested in these days anyways. So on Sunday, breaking news, the New York Times uh, came out with a lengthy article, and apparently they got their hands on a lot of Trump tax records from the last, you know, roughly 20 years. Um, some of the, his tax records from the 80s and 90s had already been circulating, uh, but his more recent tax records have been, you know, tightly under control. Trump said he had he was under audit and he wasn't going to release those those tax records. Well, the New York Times got a hold of them and had this big expose. And and I'm going to go through some of the highlights of that um, uh, of, the, of the New York Times article, and then I'm going to share a whole bunch of comments about it. Uh, so hang with me here. So apparently, um, if everything you read is true, uh, Trump paid only $750 in taxes in both 2016 and 2017. In 11 of the 18 years that were examined by the New York Times, Trump did not pay any income taxes to the federal government. In his first year as president, Trump or his companies paid more taxes to India, 145000 Panama, 15000 and the Philippines, $156,000, than he paid to the United States um, in his first year as president. Since 2000, Trump has lost over $315 million at the golf courses that he owns and promotes. Last October, Trump tried to steer the Group of Seven Summit to the Trump National Doral, his course near Miami, before dropping the idea. From 2016 through 2018, Trump showed losses of $55.5 million at the Trump International Hotel in Washington, D.C. Even before he was inaugurated, there were ethical concerns where about the foreign dignitaries staying at the hotel, along with events that the federal government could possibly be funding. So again, bear with me. I'm going through the facts as I understand them, and then we're going to get into the commentary. Trump's campaign and presidency have been fantastic for business at Mar-a-Lago. The Trump-owned resort in Palm Beach, Florida, uh, from 2015 to 2018, there was a surge in membership, with the president able to get $26 million, or nearly triple his usual amount, out of the historic property over the same time period. In 2010... Trump received $72.9 million tax refund that is being audited by the IRS. He received the sum after claiming heavy losses, but if he loses his appeal with the IRS, he will have to pay over $100 million to the federal government. And I think it's that $72 million plus interest and penalties. And I know that's the big nut that's being debated right now between the Trump group organization and the IRS. Trump made millions of dollars as the star of NBC's The Apprentice, but revenue streams from that highly successful franchise and other licensing agreements are waning. Within the next few years, he will have to cover $300 million in loans. Uh, Just a few more bullet points here. Even with his shaky finances, Trump has lived an opulent lifestyle, declaring tax deductions on personal expenses, including a litany of residences and expensive airplanes. He also wrote off more than $70,000 for payments to style his hair during The Apprentice. Geez, I thought John Edwards spent a lot of money when he got his hair cut. Remember, he was 
the vice presidential candidate in 2004 with Kerry. I think he admitted getting like a $400 haircut. That's nothing compared to Trump. Um, Trump has earned millions from foreign licensing deals from 2017 to 2019. He received $3 million from the Philippines, $2.3 million from India, $1 million from Turkey. And he made $73 million from foreign countries during his first two years as president. So, Wow. So there's a lot there, you know, and, and people are just reacting all across the political landscape and people are saying he's fraudulent. He's a tax cheat. And other people are saying, no, he's following the tax laws. And 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 it's just so much, you know, again, the tribalism kicks in, whether you're pro Trump or anti Trump tends to skew your view. I admit I'm not a Trump fan, but I'm also not a Democrat or a Biden fan. Um, so I'd like to think I'd like to think that I'm being somewhat objective um, compared to a hardcore red person or a hardcore blue person. But, um, you know, people are are legitimately angry um, about how little he's paid. I mean, only seven hundred fifty dollars in each year. Um, But to me, the biggest reveal of the whole thing isn't the fact that he paid so little. And we'll get into that. The big reveal to me is that his businesses are losing so much money. I mean, this is a guy, the art of the deal, man, I'm the best negotiator. I'm a great business person and he's losing huge sums of money. Now, granted, he's made some money in other areas, but his losses are just, they're so dramatic. In fact, his losses are the reason that he's paid so little in taxes. And you're thinking, wait a minute, you know? So to me, it's like the whole Trump brand about being this rich guy, this great business guy, the, the art of the deal. It's in many cases, it's fraudulent. I mean, he's losing like over $300 million at his golf courses. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, a lot of just terrible deals that he's been involved in. And uh, see a uh, from Mac chiming in with a thumbs up uh, icon emoji there. But, you know, it's funny. It's like, you know, Trump is the first guy to call out CNN as fake news, right? Or any other kind of criticism of him as fake news. But Trump is fake news. Trump was the guy that was saying that President Obama was born in um, Nigeria and wasn't a legitimate American citizen. If there was ever a fake news story, that was it. But Trump is, um, you know, he has like uh, someone made this list. I thought it was creative. Uh, A fake winner, a fake university, a fake charity, a fake business success, fake hair, fake orange glow, fake conservative, fake patriot. They were calling him Brocahontas, <laughs> which is awesome, which is like the, you know, kind of a bit of a, a zinger on how he calls Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas. Elizabeth Warren. Oh, my God. Um, in fact, that was a former podcast episode, Elizabeth Warren, o- OMG. You check it out if you want to go back in the archive. Um, but I'm like a marketing guy. Right. So I see. You know, Trump has this brand identity that he's trying to put out there, right? You know, the the, the gold plated, you know, bathroom uh, appliances and 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 this rich persona. But then on the other hand, the brand, you know, the brand image he's putting out doesn't match the actual brand identity of how people see him. There is a mismatch there, and to me, that is the big reveal here. We've all suspected that he was likely losing a lot of money, but there was never any proof. Of, tr- of course, Trump always said he was going to re- uh, reveal his, his tax records, and then of course he flip flopped on that. You know, he says he's telling it like it is, and then when he has an opportunity to fulfill what he says, he backs down on it. 
Now, just as an aside, I don't think presidents should be required to um, provide their tax records. It's just been a common practice since President Nixon, because Nixon, I guess, was making some money that um, and this was before the time when they were disclosing tax returns and and that was an era of where there was a lot of distrust in government. So now presidential candidates are, are providing it and Trump won't do it. Um, and, and now his hands being forced. And so some other people have made, I think, which is a really fair comment, is that at coming out of this, he, he is like so highly leveraged. He's so much in debt that um, it's a security risk to America. Because what what can happen here is, if you're so highly leveraged like that, you, the president could be blackmailed, could be bribed. There's a lot of things that could happen because he is so exposed. He is so over leveraged with all that debt that you wonder is his negotiations with these foreign nations. Could those be compromised? That is not a good look for a president, whether he's being compromised or not. Some people would say he is. Other people would say he isn't. It's still a bad look. Okay, and and I think that's a legitimate problem. And like I when I'm going to get into the taxes and I don't necessarily blame Trump for avoiding taxes when we'll get into that. Excuse me. But I judge him for bringing such a high leverage, high debt business strategy with him to the White House, because I think that's dangerous. But now let's look at the actual taxes. I mean, never mind the fact that. The whole brand that he has, a lot of it is a fraud, in my opinion. Uh, that's the big reveal. But the taxes are interesting. And so, yeah, he paid $750 for two straight years. And compare that to what you or I pay. Compare that to what a regular person pays. I mean, it's not even comparable. And on a percentage basis, it's like completely whacked out. Um, most of us pay money, um, way more money in taxes than Trump did, paying only seven fifty to the federal government. <laughs> That's laughable. I'd love to have that tax bill. Um, it's funny, though. People have said, been saying, you know, Trump pays more money for sex than he does for um, his taxes. Uh, so people are legitimately upset. But you know, it's interesting how the tax code works because by design, we are programmed where our tax dollars are taken out of our paycheck every pay period. So it's withheld by our employer. And then if we get a refund, then we kind of think that's a big win. Well, some people do when really it's just a tax free loan to the government. But you kind of wonder that's really by design the way they do the withholdings, because if we had to write a check to the government for taxes, I mean, we would we would be livid. Now, I'm a small business owner. I own an S corporation. I have to file quarterly tax returns. And yeah, I got to write a big check every quarter. I don't like doing that. Um, it makes you really feel the impact of those tax dollars. Um, but still, as regular individual tax filers, we we all know, you know how much we pay. And it's a lot of money. And never mind the fact that we're in California. And oh, my God, the California tax rates um, and everything else that comes with being here in the Golden State. Um, you know, our, in, our not only is our income tax in California really high, our gas tax is really high, our sales tax is really high, um, and and um, and then you add to that the federal taxes. It's like crazy. Remember, the federal income tax was implemented in two thousand and excuse me, in nineteen thirteen. And if I recall, it was only for the top one percent of earners, and I think it only had uh, as high of a tax rate as seven percent. And look where we are now. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, how much higher the tax rate has been. But 
I think in the end, I don't think this is going to move the needle much. I think a lot of Trump supporters are going to stick with him because they don't care. You know, they understand that Trump is a business person. They don't care that he's not paying taxes. It doesn't really bother them that much. It's probably baked into the cake. I mean, if if he he, you remember the whole Access Hollywood thing that happened like the one month before the 2016 election where he was on the bus with Billy Bush and ranting about, you know, all of his sexual escapades that didn't take him down. And if that doesn't take him down, I don't think this tax thing is going to take him down. Um, Kevin Kennedy says, have the tax records been produced or is this a discussion based on the New York Times piece? Um, yeah, Kevin, this is a discussion based on the New York Times piece. And again, I said, if this information is true, and that's when I read the highlights. Um, yeah, and again, that's why people are going to say fake news, fake news. Well, let, hopefully the New York Times will disclose their sources and make their case. But it's interesting. I want to talk a little bit about tax strategy. And again, I'm no accountant. Um, I, I'm a small business owner, so I got to be aware of some of these things. But obviously, Business people can sort of, you know, play the game. I put that in air quotes, play the game far more effectively in an individual tax filer because the individual tax filer, we have a limited number of deductions and, um, you know, shelters and loopholes, et cetera. Most of those are really built for business owners. And um, if you're incorporated, it provides a tremendous amount of advantages. So like for me, I'm I'm an S corp. And so I can write off some really important business expenses. You know, like, for example, my car. Um, My car is a business expense and it is used almost entirely. There's some exceptions, but almost entirely for business, uh, for going to visit my clients and doing other things I do for my business. It's a legitimate write-off. But, you know, other things, like I work out of my home office so I can deduct a fraction of my mortgage from my taxes. Um, You know, my phone use on my my cell phone is almost entirely um, based on uh, business use and my internet use at home. Now, granted, you know, we're doing a podcast here, but I'm doing this podcast kind of under the framework of my business. Trigger Direct is is a marketing agency. So, um, it all can fit. You can, you can have a lot more creativity and you can get, um, you know, flexible and how you manage your expenses when you're incorporated. And it's a lot different than if you are a, a, an individual filer. Bruce McCoy chimes in Amazon paid how much in taxes the last few years, their losses are projected into the future tax years. Didn't we kind of know this about Trump? Yeah. Amazon doesn't pay very much, if any, in taxes. And, Amazon, because they lost so much money in the early years, they are able to do that loss carry forward. And that's really what Trump is doing, too. So, again, I don't blame Trump necessarily for avoiding taxes, because based on what I'm seeing is with with a few exceptions, it seems like he's just playing the game like any other business person would. They're staying in the lane of legality. There are probably maybe a few exceptions that are questionable, like that $100 million that's, you know, the, that, that potato is being bounced around with the IRS. Um, but yeah, businesses will have losses. And, you know, like, for example, if you have a $10 million loss one year and a $25 million profit the next then you only really have to pay a net tax of on the 15 million, right? That's how the loss carry forward goes. So if you have a huge loss, 
and then only modest profits for 10 years, that huge loss can negate all of those future profits. So, and if you don't show any profit, therefore any income, you don't have any income tax. And so that's what Amazon is doing. And that's what Trump is doing. Again, I don't blame him for that. Um, Amazon, by the way, takes it a step further because under the new tax law, they are incentivized to do um, infrastructure improvements, capital improvements in their business where they can write off the entire expense in year one rather than amortizing it or depreciating it over five years or whatever the length of the equipment is. And you remember for so long coming out of the Great Recession, corporations were sitting on piles of cash and they were people were angry that they weren't investing in that in their business. Well, Amazon is doing that. And they've been able to write off loss carry forwards. They've been able to write off, um, you know, these, this huge investment in, in their business, their R&D. And as a result, they're showing no uh, bottom line income and they don't pay taxes. And that piques people so angry. But, you know, it, it's crazy, you know. So, I mean, I know for me, I did the loss carry forward. I mean, during the Great Recession, man, I got punched in the nose. I mean, I had um, customers that had huge accounts receivable that never paid me. Um, I had customers that went bankrupt. I had other customers that had huge budgets with me. And in a matter of like 30 days, the budget disappeared. Um, I had a rough go coming out of that great recession. And I had, I experienced a few years of losses, Um, but I climbed out of that. I'm really proud of that accomplishment, by the way. A lot of people I know would have declared bankruptcy, but I didn't. And I paid my debts and I got my business right sized. But as I went through that process, I was able to take advantage of the loss carry forward. Those years I didn't have a profit, I applied it to the years where I did, and that minimized my tax liability. And in my opinion, that's completely fair and reasonable. Um, but I also, I mean, and this is a bit of a tangent, but I also enjoy kind of playing the game. And that's another reason why we have two electric cars. Um, I'm a big fan of the technology, and I'm also... I know that if I get an electric car, there's all kinds of financial rewards that come with it. I get these tax breaks, um, these uh, rebates I get, which helps offset the enormous amount of money that I pay in federal and state income taxes. So it's really, really helpful um, to take advantage of those opportunities. Um, so, yeah, I'm a, we have two electric vehicles and they're powered by solar. And, you know, I'm not necessarily a a hardcore environmentalist or a tree hugger. I mean, I do like the technology. I think it's cool how we have our own little little ecosystem that powers our cars. But a big part of the reason that I enjoy electric vehicles is because of the financial incentives. And it's another way to sort of play the game um, to try to maximize, you know, your end result. So uh, Pat Johnson chimes in. What about paying Ivanka Trump $700,000 for consulting fees at the same projects that she is being paid as a full-time employee to manage those projects. Well, yeah, (laughs) that's fair. I mean, that's potentially fraudulent. Um, I think you'd have to go and investigate it and break it down. Again, I, I feel weird defending Trump, but it's possible that Ivanka may have been paid a salary for a specific set of duties. And for another set of duties that were outside that job description, she may have been receiving payment as a consultant. And, you know, I, I make biz, uh, money as a consultant. Um, I do business and, P, and businesses pay me consulting fees. Um, so I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think we'd have to look at Ivanka Trump's situation in more detail. It's possible that's legit. Um, under the, w- the way business taxes are constructed, it very well 
is plausible that it could be legit. I don't know the details of it. Uh, Pat Johnson says also the $70,000 for haircuts while on the apprentice, yet the network employed and paid the hairstylist. Well, here's my bet. My bet is, is that I don't care who NBC provided. Trump probably had his own person. You know, Trump has his own person now. Imagine how much, how long it takes to get Trump ready every day. Oh my God. I was watching, I told you, I watched that whole series of Downton Abbey where they had a handmaid for every one of the ladies and a, and a valet to help the men get dressed. I mean, that's what Trump must have and a makeup and hair person. Um, I'm sure Trump will pay whatever is necessary to get the look just the way he wants. Even just, you ever look at Trump's hair like over his left ear, it's got this perfect swirl. And I'm certain that that is part of the the requirements of that job. And yeah, it could be very much, could be 70 grand for that. To me, I mean, it sounds ridiculous because we can go to Supercuts and get our hair cut for, you know, $15, $20. But um, yeah, that's a lot of money. And if you're in Hollywood and you're on TV and you're as vain as Trump is, that actually might be cheap. Uh, Kevin Kennedy says, it's easy, spray paint and a Big Mac. <laughs> I guess it's easy to get Trump ready for the day with the spray paint and a Big Mac. So, um, I know was Trump following the law on all of his taxes? And again, I think it's debatable, right? This Ivanka Trump situation may or may not be legal. There is that $72.9 million refund check that the IRS gave to Trump, which sounds probably stupid. In fact, Trump supposedly was trotting around his office when he got the check saying, can you believe how stupid the IRS is for giving me back this check? But, you know, now he has that money and, you know, so it's going to be a battle for the IRS to get it from him. So but in a lot of these other cases, he's just playing the game the way any business person would. And whether you agree or disagree with the tax code and there's a lot in the tax code I don't like. Frankly, I don't like the fact that electric vehicles get rebates. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's proper, but I can't make the rules. So I'm in the game to win. I'm in the game to have the best possible outcome for me and my family. So I will take advantage of the rules of the game as they exist and play the game the best of my ability to win. I think Trump, I mean, you know, Trump always says he's a winner. So Trump clearly does that too, albeit on a far grander scale than I do. So I don't blame him necessarily for paying a really low tax rate overall, because that's the way the tax code is set up. By the way, the tax code set up by Republican and Democrat administrations um, over the years. So, um, but, you know, people get angry. Do rich people pay a lower tax rate than individual tax filers? In many cases, that's absolutely true for all these reasons we've discussed. And Warren Buffett has often commented that, you know, his secretary pays a lower tax rate than he does. And it's because of this. But again, I'm of the opinion that a business entity, not personal income tax, but corporate income tax, I think should be zero percent because who pays corporate income taxes? You know, people will say, well, the corporations have to pay their fair share, but who pays corporate income taxes? People do. Um, ultimately, it's either the owners of that business that pay the income tax. And as a small business owner, I can vouch for that. Um, or in other cases, it's indirectly paid for by employees and lower wages, or it's indirectly and paid for by customers with higher prices. So 
business taxes, in my opinion, should always be 0%. It should be a pass-through. And if we're going to have taxation, it should be at the individual level. And if we're that upset with the fact that some rich people or some companies are paying lower tax rates um, than others, you know, because then, then what they really should do is just implement a flat tax and then everyone pays the same and, and get rid of all the deductions, including mortgage interests and everything else. If you really want a level playing field, that would be it. But of course, they'll never do that because politicians are in the game for power and control for them and less power and control for you. They use that tax code as a social engineering device and a way to have power over other people. There's no way in hell we'll ever get a flat tax. Never happen. But if they were to try to, you know, have equitable, uh, you know, some sort of um, level playing field, you would just have everyone pay the same rate, just like it is for sales tax. Um, But that's not going to happen. And, and again, I, you, I, I've heard every argument in the book for flat tax against flat tax. And I mean, we, that's a whole other rabbit hole we can go down, which we won't do in this podcast episode. Pat Johnson, well, you agree with me, flat tax across the board. To me, if you're going to implement it, that's the way to do it. And it's not so much that everyone pays the same rate which is a big part of it. But the other part of it is, is all the deductions and shelters and loopholes and all the game playing goes away. Right. But as long as the game exists with the rules that exist, I'm going to play it to win. I hope you are playing it to win. Obviously, that's what Trump is doing. That's what Bezos is doing. That's what they're all doing. So I don't really blame him for that. So then we now we've got the debate coming and that's on Tuesday. And so um, and, and actually, before I get to the debate, once again, we're on the live stream. Thank you for your support on this. If you want to chime in, type in the comments in the YouTube or Facebook, and, and I'll be happy to read it on the air and we'll have a little more fun and engagement here. But the debates are coming up and um, that's going to be on Tuesday. And I, man, I'm looking forward to that. You know, I think we're all anxious to see what's happening. First of all, is Biden going to have... Um, the ability to go toe to toe with Trump is Biden going to have all of his mental faculties to really do battle with Trump is Trump. Will he have his own mental faculties? And frankly, I think that's debatable, too. Will Trump implode? Will these tax allegations are clearly going to be in the conversation? Is Trump going to just deflect and say fake news or is he going to actually talk about it? I predict he will deflect. Um, And I'm sure they're preparing zingers and one liners and they got that all figured out. But again, I'll just say this. I'm always angry at these presidential debates because they only have two podiums, two lecterns. When there are four candidates that will be on the ballot in over 40 states, and in fact, three candidates that will be on the ballot in all 50 states. And that's the other candidate is Joe Jorgensen. Um, Joe, as in Josephine, a woman, um, is running for president, and she's going to be on the ballot in all 50 states. She's the libertarian candidate. In my opinion, if you have gone through the process of getting on the on the ballot, ballot in all 50 states, you deserve a spot on that stage because the process to get on a ballot is so damn hard, especially for third parties, which way harder for them than for Republicans and Democrats. And God, do we all want a third choice, a third perspective, a different view um, rather than these two guys, Trump and Biden, that are both old white guys in their 70s that have sexual uh, um, assault allegations and are showing their senility. So, oh, my God. So the the debate should be fun. I enjoy it because it's um, it'll it's entertaining. 
I'll probably live tweet it and I hope you'll follow that along. Um, and then Wednesday at two, I'll, as I do Monday, Wednesday, Friday at two o'clock, I'll have a review of the debate. But I am kind of bummed because the Padre game is on at Wednesday at two against the Cardinals. So I'll probably have that on on my TV here in the corner as we go through it. Um, Okay, so, yeah, just a reminder, if you if you love what we're talking about, you know, like the like the episode, click on the like button on Facebook, click on the YouTube like that's helpful for us. It helps boost our um, awareness. It helps build our rankings in the search engine. Subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast. Help me kind of build this. I really would appreciate your help. Um, You know, I provide all this for free. So in exchange, that's one way you can help me out um, is sharing it with friends with verbal share, you know, Facebook share, whatever it happens to be. And then tonight at eight o'clock, we'll be doing another live stream with David Leland, the Poway sports journalist, sports commentator, a young man in his early 20s here in Poway. David Leland and I will be talking about the San Diego Padres and their 2020 season and the plans for the playoffs. If you love baseball, join us here. Same same bat channel, not the same bat time. We'll be on it tonight at eight o'clock and we'll be talking Padres. Um, and if you want to continue the conversation, you know, join us on Facebook, the John Riley Project. I also have the John Riley Project Insiders Group, which is a kind of a more intimate, smaller group of hardcore podcast fans. Look it up on Facebook, John Riley Project Insiders Group. You got to answer a few questions and I let everyone in. So come on in and we have some very lively debate in there. Sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's heated. Uh, so it could be a lot of fun there. So please join us. And um, if you'd like to get on our mailing list, go to johnreillyproject.com slash subscribe or just go in the menu and you'll see a place where you can get on our email list. And we share updates there periodically. Um, At the end of every solo podcast, I always do a closing quote. And I have three really good ones that are connected with everything that I shared in this podcast. The first one is from President Barack Obama. And he said, we've got a tax code that is encouraging the flight of jobs and outsourcing. And that's why we've specifically recommended that Congress change our tax code. So we stop giving tax breaks to companies that are moving to Mexico and China and other places and start putting those tax breaks into companies that are investing here in the United States. That's what Trump is doing. (laughs) He's investing in in like Doral and Mar-a-Lago and and Trump Tower. And he's actually investing in America. Now, granted, whether you like Trump or dislike Trump, but he's following generally based on what I can see, he's following the tax code. So it's kind of funny that, you know, he's following the tax code that Barack Obama signed into law. And then, of course, you know, Trump added his own layer to it as well. Um, here's another one. Now, it's funny. People are some people are complaining about Trump paying taxes and they're saying paying taxes is patriotic. I always think, really? Paying taxes, a lot of things, but paying taxes is not patriotic, in my opinion. But um, this is a quote from John Maynard Keynes or Keynes. Is it Keynes or Keynes? I think it's Keynes. And um, he is the. Uh, um, uh, the Economist, usually the Economist, uh, favored by our friends on the left that love um, more and more government spending. And he said, the avoidance of taxes is the only intellectual pursuit that carries any reward. <laughs> so, yeah, you, the, the more you can avoid taxes, the more you the better you do. And obviously, try to avoid them legally, because uh, if you don't, they'll 
you know, they're going to fine you and penalize you. And if you don't follow that, you'll get thrown in a cage. Um, but there's a lot of opportunities to maximize your situation with taxes. And in my opinion, incorporating yourself is a big part of it. And that's part of the game that I'm playing. And then finally, I'll have a closing quote here from Ron Paul. And I had a Ron Paul quote earlier um, about how in a free society, um, we cannot allow violence, right? And that's what we were talking about, the free expression at Poway, in Poway, uh, Pomerado and Twin Peaks, the Trump and anti-Trump people got into a fight, which was the big part of my first half of the podcast. But here's the final quote, and it's from Ron Paul. And he said, one thing is clear. The founding fathers never intended a nation where citizens would pay nearly half of everything they earned to the government. You know, that sounds pretty ridiculous, half. But it's really not. I mean, for some people, they pay very close to that. Um, you know, if you look at what, what's the top marginal tax rate in the United States, like 39% or is it 36%? And then the top marginal tax rate in California, I think is 13.3. And I think they added a little bit to that for a different um, layer of income tax. And then if you add in all the other taxes, property tax, sales tax, gas tax, um, on down the line, it's not unreasonable that there are some people paying about half of their income in taxes. That to me, that's completely inconsistent for a nation that claims to be about liberty, <laughs> that people would pay as much as 50%. Of course, the founders never had a federal income tax. Um, they made what little money they made, I think mostly from tariffs, which by the way, I don't agree with. I think tariffs are a bad tax. And that's part of Trump's policy, by the way. Um, but at any rate, um, I've been going on too long, hour and 12 minutes. So I'm going to wrap it up. This is the John Riley Project, episode number 168. We've talked about Poway protesters. We talked about Trump's taxes. We'll be back on tonight at 8 o'clock to talk Padres. We hope you'll join us. Have a great day, friends, and be safe out there on the streets of Poway. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.